0: Let me first just say what a wonderful, warm, Hamish, special, beautiful feeling it is just to be here with all of you and with all of you. And uh, in Jewish tradition, we say "beshem omro" or "beshem omra," which means if somebody taught you something or guided you in something uh, that you really need to mention them if they were an inspiration. So I want to thank my partner Justine and her mom. Uh, Lucy Kaplan for their guidance and patience with me on this one. There was once an elderly Jewish woman who was seeking her guru. And so she took a plane to Nepal. She took a train across that country in a 24-hour bus ride. She arrived at the foot of a mountain, at a monastery, and she was greeted by a man in a saffron robe and she said, I've come to find my guru. And he said, you have to walk to the top of the mountain. And she was schwitzing. She was hungry. She was hot. She was glad she wore comfortable shoes. And so she climbed up the mountain. And when she got to the top of the mountain, there was a long line of people also waiting to find their guru. When she finally got to the front of the line, hours later in the hot sun, another man in saffron robes said to her, you can say three words to the guru when you're in front of him. And so she waited. She came to the edge of the cave. She walked in as everybody else had walked in. She got down and she bowed. She looked into his eyes and she said, Sheldon, come home. (laughs) Now we all know why this is so funny. We all know Jews who have crossed into another tradition to find meaning, to find spiritual practice. I saw somebody this morning who I know goes to Spirit Rock Meditation Center every week and comes here once a year. And I said, what is it that brings you back here once a year? And she said, you know that thing about who shall live and who shall die? (laughs) At times in the Bay Area, it does seem truly that there's more jew or Jewish Buddhists, than just Jews. There are more Jews sometimes in the Zen center, both as participants and teachers, than inside synagogues. So often I hear people bemoan the fact they just can't find that, "Mm," that spirituality in their synagogue. Rabbi, I I don't feel spiritual inside the temple. I feel Jewish, I I feel religious, but I feel spiritual in my yoga practice. I, I know I see some of you from my yoga class here today when you say, namaste at the end. I can't say it, so I say namashalom. (laughs) It's hard for me to hear these things from people because Judaism has its own deeply rooted meditative practice that originates in the Torah and extends to us for 4,000 years. It starts in the Bible when Yitzchak he meditates in the fields in the story of Genesis, to the Talmudic sages, who would spend an hour before their prayers and an hour after their prayers in total contemplation and meditation. Some of the Jewish mystics practiced something called Merkava mysticism, where they would meditate on the chariots of Ezekiel vision. The Kabbalists in the 11th century would visualize Hebrew letters, the spherot, the aspects of God in front of them, and combine them in different ways as they meditated, and the Practice both hitbonenut, hitbonenut is contemplation, and others practice hitbodedut, which is self-seclusion in nature, contemplating the presence of God when you're outside. The most famous of these rabbis was Reb Nachman of Bratzlav. He practiced walking meditation, and he wrote these words. How wonderful it would be if we were worthy enough of hearing the song of the grass. Every blade of grass sings a pure song to God, expecting nothing in return. When was the last time you were in a field of grass and you actually put your ear to the blade of grass? When did you take the time to do that? Jews love to talk. We love to argue, debate, storytelling, expressing ourselves. When I was growing up, my uncle used to say about me, Sydney, she thinks if she stops talking, she'll stop breathing. It's true, how many of us in our childhood were rewarded for being quiet, for noticing, for observing? See my son over there? He's just sitting in the corner by himself being quiet. So proud of him. (laughs) I know I was rewarded for talking, telling jokes, speaking up, answering questions, having many opinions. Shocking, isn't it? Being outspoken gives us a place at the table but in Susan Kane's new book, which is called Quiet, she describes the power of the introvert in a society that's so often about the loudest and the strongest voices. She says that in our world, both introverts and extroverts tend to think of introversion as a quote unquote, second class personality trait, somewhere between a disappointment and a pathology. So we come here on Rosh Hashanah, the day that's called Yom Truah, the day of the blast of the shofar. But as Cantor Adi, for the first time, and I hope it's not the last, chanted the words from the Una Tokef. remember she put this shofar over her head, because in the words that we usually read in English, she chanted in Hebrew, shofar gadol yitakeh, the great shofar is sounded, v'kold mama dakah yishamah. What do we hear in the blast but a still, small, Voice. This is fascinating. Why do we hear a still small voice, Kol D'mamadaka, from this enormous blast of the shofar? I think that prayer, the Unetanitokaf and Rosh Hashanah, teaches us something hugely important if we really focus on those words about tshuva. The shofar can blast you awake, but if you aren't paying attention to the breath that comes before the shofar blast. And if you're not paying attention to the kol mama, that still, small, quiet voice inside of you after, you're missing most of Rosh Hashanah. As a shofar blower, I've spent most of my musical career focused on the blast itself, almost as if I never paid attention to the words in the liturgy. Fancy that. It says right here, Rosh Hashanah is both a Yom Truah and a Yom Shetika, a day of blasts and a day for shh, just quiet contemplation. The breath before the sound and the still small voice are as important as the sound itself. It's no easy task focusing on our breath and the still small voice that lives in each of us. Judaism as a spiritual practice, emphasizes mindfulness, urging us to say the words that we just read from the Torah. When God called Abraham, what did he say? He said, hineni. Say, hineni. Hineni Hineni is I am here, but it means I'm really right here. I'm totally present with you. We live in a world that celebrates and cultivates multitasking and does not value really being here, being present. I mean, I love the benefits of technology as much as anybody in this room. If it weren't for Skype, I wouldn't have been able to see my son Eli's Spunem on his birthday this weekend as he's studying in Santiago, Chile. And I think technology even confuses us sometimes because there was a moment when it was just me in the room with him and he was talking and I reached my hand out and I touched the screen. I'm also willing to say that I have probably the same amount of guilt or shame that you have at having missed out on what's right in front of me because I'm, like all of you, kind of tuned out to what's going on in front of me. I was at a friend's house picking up a group of kids recently, and the boy whose house it was came to the door, and he was looking at his phone. And his father came to the door and shook my hand, and then the boy was still looking at his phone. I thanked them for hosting the group of kids, and the boy was still looking at his phone, and I was going to shake his hand, but his hands were on his phone, and I couldn't see his face because he was looking at the screen. I know what the back of his head looks like. His father didn't say anything the whole time. Was it okay in their house not to greet another parent or adult and look them in the eye? Was the father ashamed at his son's behavior and at the fact that technology is kind of trumping our ability to be present in our parenting? I don't know. I mean, I do know. This might be a story about me. I do know I don't have any idea what that kid looks like. And what flashed in my consciousness at that moment that the door closed behind me was the verse from Genesis when Jacob is reunited with his brother after their whole young adulthood apart and the moment of tshuva when they see each other and one brother says to the other, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. And I'm afraid that when we stop looking into people's faces, we start losing God. The Dalai Lama turned to the Jews, interestingly enough, over and over again to explore our secret of successful diaspora living. And he had many meetings with rabbis. When Rabbi Zalman Shachter Shlomi met with the Dalai Lama, they began their meeting by explaining to one another what they wanted to learn from each other. The Dalai Lama said that he wanted to learn how to keep a religion alive in the diaspora for over 2,000 years, a very important lesson for a spiritual leader in exile. Reb Zalman said that what he wanted to learn from the Dalai Lama and what he believed would benefit the Jewish people most was how to sit in silence. Now believe me, I'm no meditation expert, that's for certain, but I'm becoming aware of the benefits of a sitting practice. I started out, and for many, many years, pretty much my whole life, I refused to meditate. That's so not Jewish to sit there and just be in silence. I knew it wouldn't be good for me. I knew I'd have a hard time, I probably wouldn't be good at it. I wouldn't like it, and I was sure I was the only person who actually tried meditation, and my mind was full with conversations and stories, and I had a to-do list going that was really long, and judgments and criticisms about myself and plans for the week, and it turns out I'm really not that special. <laughs> Everybody has the same mind. It's called uh, monkey mind. The Buddhists call it monkey mind. I had this idea that meditation is sitting, just sitting in silence. But once you do it, you realize there is no silence in here. There's a lot going on. Meditation is not about silencing or stopping what's in your mind. It's the practice of being in the present moment and becoming an observer, an observer of where your mind is taking you, inside in the quiet places. A lot of us constantly cycle between the future and the past, hope and fear. And that's normal to have it all going on at once. The neuroscientist, Dr. Rick Hansen, taught that for the brain, negative thoughts are like Velcro and positive thoughts are like Teflon. So before we pay attention today to the blast of the shofar, before we listen to the noise, I'm going to ask you to do something a little out of the box in the sanctuary, a little out of the dome. I'm going to invite you to meditate just for a few minutes with me and just go with it. I'm going to ask you to trust me. If you've trusted me the last 18 years, 5776, trust me this one. And this is just a taste. Don't expect an epiphany. But I'll tell you, if you commit to doing this, a sitting practice, five minutes a day, I can guarantee you one thing, that there will be a shift. I don't know where it will be in your life. I know where it was in my life. We're going to sit for five minutes. For some people it's going to feel like five seconds and some people are going to feel like it's five days. I'm going to give you guidance along the way and I promise you your mind's going to be very, very active while this is going on, there's going to be no silence in there. And also be aware of the fact that we spend almost all of our waking moments trying to get away from in there. Anybody here have a favorite television show? A favorite app? Favorite noise? Favorite food? Favorite drug, whatever it is that's outside of us that pulls us out, it's much easier to go there than to be in here. Most meditation practices have a point of focus: your breath, a mantra or counting. In Jewish meditation, one of the focus points is the four letters of God, their breath letters. Say that with me: Yud, Yud hey, hey. Vav, vav hey. hey. That's it. That's all you need to know for this meditation. As you breathe, you're gonna say in your inner voice, Yud hey vav hey. Say that again? But you're going to say it very slowly, one letter for each inhale, one letter for each exhale. The important thing is that when you notice that your mind is taking you into the future or the past or the to-do or grocery list, gently just bring your focus back to your breath to the Yud hey vav hey. And in this way, this is not something way out there that people only in Marin do or only Buddhists do. I think meditation is actually the perfect tool for chuva for being self-forgiving. There's no way to enter into chuva to forgive other people and to be forgiven for the stuff that you do until you look inside yourself and say, you know, it's okay, I forgive myself for thinking this or being this or feeling this. So can I have a volunteer? Oh, I think I'll choose Don Friend, the president. Thank you so much. I was going to say, don't try this at home, but please try this at home. Okay, I'm going to ask you to place your feet firmly on the ground and sit up straight in your chair. I'm even going to tell you that if you feel like you're wearing uncomfortable shoes, and I don't know where that tradition comes from, why do we wear uncomfortable shoes on Rosh Hashanah in the sanctuary? Take off your shoes and put your feet on the ground if you feel comfortable. And no, I'm not being disrespectful because when Moses saw the burning bush, what did God say to Moses? Take your shoes off, off. you're standing on holy ground. Place your feet flat on the ground, on the balls of your feet on the ground, the soles of your feet, your toes, so that your entire feet feel rooted to the ground. Feel your weight in the chair And move forward away from the back of the chair so that you become aware of your spine holding up your body. Breathe in and out of your nose. Relax your jaw. Part your lips slightly. And put your tongue just behind your front teeth, resting on the roof of your mouth, which will relax your jaw and will help keep your breath moving easily and freely in and out of your nose. Begin by just noticing the breath coming in and out of your nostrils, feeling it. It helps us to focus when we can feel the breath in our body. Take a deep breath through your nose, in and out, and then allow your hands to rest on your legs or in your lap. Take another deep breath in through the crown of your head, and exhale all the way through the soles of your feet. Do that three times to locate where your breath is in your body and ground yourself. It's useful to have a sound to focus on in your inner voice. Because your mind is not silent, it's active. And when you notice your mind is active without any judgment, come back to this mantra. And you say this in your inner voice you breathe in yud, breathe out hey. Breathing in vav, breathing out hey. The presence of God inside your breath. Breathe in yud, breathe out hey. Breathing in vav, breathing out hey. When your mind starts moving away from your breath, just bring your focus back to your breath. The feeling of the breath in and out of your nostrils come back to the yud, to the hay, to the vav, and to the hey. If your mind has left the mantra, just gently bring it back to your breath, to the Yud, to the He, to the Vav, and to the He. We have one minute left in this final minute. I want you to pay attention to the quality of your breath. As you watch your mind wander, focus on where it's going. Is it going to the past, to the future, one particular issue that you're focused on, a person? It's in there, just notice it. Don't judge the thought and then lovingly come back to your yod, to your hay, to your vav, and to your hey. In these final moments of meditation, I want you to offer up the benefits of this practice to those you love, to those with whom you're struggling right now in your life, to those who are suffering in our world, and offer up the benefits of this practice to the world itself on its birthday. And keeping your eyes closed, imagine what it would feel like to bring the sensation of being present into the next 10 days between today and Yom Kippur, and into the rest of your year. With your eyes still closed, I'm gonna bring you out of the meditation to the sound of the shofar, and your still small voice after the sound is gone. So pay attention to your breath. Slowly open your eyes. Take another deep breath and root yourself in your feet. You didn't really go anywhere except inside yourself. I'm gonna ask you now, when you're ready, to pick up your machzor to turn to page 84 and to rise for the shofar service.